Uh, we're in John chapter 4 today. I'm going to read verse 21. I'm going to start in verse 19, actually. The Bible says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true what? Will what? The Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to what? Yeah. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And Father, we're so thankful today for your word and that we can come and we can worship you in spirit and in truth. That, Father, as we do, as your people treasure you, you fill this place, you fill our hearts. And your presence is palpable. God, it is tangible. Sometimes it is physical. And we're thankful that you would condescend to such a way, to such an extent that you would dwell among your people. And we know that it is only because of Jesus, your son. And so, Father, today uh, we ask, we 100% invite you into this church. God, this is your church. You are at the center. We revolve around you. We want you to be the one treasured. And so we ask, Father, if in fact there is any way that we're not doing that, show us. God, show us so we can correct it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Uh, well, this, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and um, I know for a lot of us, you know, the benefit of the weekend is that we have a, a day off, and um, you know that that really is not what Memorial Day is about. We are commemorating, we are remembering all of uh, the men and women in our military, in whatever branch it might be, who have given their life for the freedoms that we enjoy every single day. And, and, you know, people who have been willing to pay the last full measure, you know, to really go the full extent. And, and I think it's, like, this is a really critical, this is a really critical holiday. I'm going to say the word holiday, but, you know, the word holiday has its roots in holy day. It's a special day. It's, it's, it's uh, consecrated. It's really important for us because I do think in some ways um, it's easy for us. We're so accustomed to having the freedoms that we do. And don't get me wrong. There are things that we need to fix in our country. We're not perfect. And, and we need to, the parents in the room need to stand up and, and we need to start getting at it, right? There's a lot of work to be done. But we are so blessed. We are so blessed to have the freedoms that we have. And I think it's easy sometimes for us to kind of take them for granted. You know, to forget that there are people who have really paid a price, and not just those people, but their families. And so um, it is really important for us to, to remember these things. Uh, and then I think it is important for us to acknowledge our military today uh, because we are so thankful for the men and the women and their families that today are making sacrifices so that we can have the freedoms that, that we enjoy on a daily basis. And so I am gonna ask you today, if you serve in a, a branch of military or uh, you are a veteran, active or veteran, would you please stand today so we can just say thank you? 
Thank you so much. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. Thank you so much. Uh, you can have a seat. And then also, listen, today I know um, we've, we kind of, we've gone through a lot of emotional grief over the last six days. And I know um, you bear it, you feel it, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to put yourself, it's impossible to put yourself in the shoes of those who have lost children or uh, wives. And, and yet, you know, we're dealing with this as a nation. 19 kids this week lost their week, excuse me, lost their lives, and two adult teachers uh, in just an absolutely tragic event um, that I think reminds us once again how grateful we should be for the loved ones that God has placed in our lives. And, and today also I want to encourage us to be praying for those families that are really suffering. You know, we, we can't imagine what it is that they're going through, um, but we can absolutely, as the church, be praying for them and, and praying for their families and praying for that community in Texas that really does need the comfort of God's Holy Spirit. Um, and there are a lot of things that need to be fixed in our nation. I don't have the time to get into, into those things, but as your pastor, I want to say to you today that if there ever was a time for the church to be the church, if ever there was a time for the church to be the church, now is that time. Now is that time. You say, well, what do you mean by that? I would say, listen, if we're honest with each other, the church is not impacting the culture like it should be impacting the culture. I think that our influence has been diminishing. And, and you know that, that in the news, what you see with respect to the church, what you see on a kind of continual basis is scandal after scandal. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I don't ever expect the media to be presenting the church in a positive light. They're never gonna spend their time saying, hey, you know, the people of God, that great group of people, let me tell you all the wonderful things that they're doing. Like, don't ever expect the media to do that. And yet at the same time, we can see that there's a problem within the church that needs to be rectified. And I think sometimes, sometimes we have issues because we are treasuring the wrong things. Sometimes I think as the people of God, we, we get off track and we can start to treasure our stuff or we treasure our programs or we treasure our buildings or we treasure our reputation or we treasure our institutions and our power structures or we treasure our music or our Yelp rating or our attendance compared to other churches or our spiritual gifts or our celebrityism or our agendas and issues. And don't sit there today and tell me that that's not true. Don't sit there today and tell me that that's not true. I see these things treasured all the time in churches. And yet I want to say to you today that none of those things will be treasured in heaven. None of those things will be treasured in heaven. The treasure of heaven is God. And you and I need to remember that. If the church is going to treasure God in heaven, then the church should treasure God on earth. And if the church doesn't treasure God on earth, we will cease to impact the world with the gospel. Okay, can you connect those things today? Look, I think we can acknowledge very simply today, and we'll talk about this at the end of the message, that when we're in heaven, there's going to be one thing that we treasure, and that's God. But I think that if that's the fact, that's going to be the fact, if that's the case when we're in heaven, then we ought to be doing that right now. 
And the reality is this, if we don't do that right now, if God is not at the center, if God is not the one that we really are treasuring, we will lose the capacity to influence the culture around us. We get the church wrong when God ceases to be the one that we treasure. And yet, the reality is this, every church thinks that they treasure God even the churches that may be off track. I could today have a conversation with, with a pastor who's leading a congregation of people who doesn't believe that the Bible is inspired, who doesn't believe in moral standards that God has established, who doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way, who believes in universalism, all those things are wrong, but that person can sincerely be thinking that they're on the right track, that they in fact are treasuring God. So listen, it's just not always easy to discern whether or not we as a community of believers are really treasuring God. You say, well, how can you tell? And you know, that's, that is an answer with a, a, with a lot of different pieces to it. But one thing I think for sure is this. We can tell we're not treasuring God when we talk about how great we are instead of how great God is. Like one sure sign one sure sign that we are off is when we start talking about how great we are or how great our church is. Sometimes even getting to the place where we put the church in the place of the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost like our message becomes, hey, well, if you can just come to my church because my church can solve your problems and my church is the answer and my church will be the bridge between you and God. And it's like, no, that's not the case. And that's never been the case. Because the Bible says there's one mediator between man and God, and that is not the people of God, that is the man Christ Jesus. I hope that you believe that today. And so, look, I, I, wanna, put these, I wanna put this out there as one of these principles that we take away from this series together. Please, let's never be a church that exalts itself by putting other churches down. Can we agree on that? Let's never be a church that exalts itself by putting other churches down. I have three uh, really quick things for you today. Um, I say quick as a pastor that, you know, my quick is different than your quick. I'll just, I'll just say that. But if you are taking notes today, uh, number one, when we talk about treasuring God, number one is this, Jesus meant for his church to treasure God. Jesus meant, it was the intention all along, uh, this should come as no surprise to us. Uh, I think it's important for us to remember as we're talking about recapturing the vision that Jesus has for his church, like let's go back to what it is that he said. And he was very clear about his people treasuring God. This is a story that I think is absolutely amazing. You know, Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman. And, you know, if you have a really institutional uh, approach to the interpretation of Scripture, you will miss how beautiful the moment is and how significant it is uh, in his exchange with this woman because really this was a privileged moment. I mean, he essentially is saying to her, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You know, I'm going to tell you something that I really haven't told anybody else. I'm going to tell you what the plan of God is. And then what does he do? He spends this section, these few verses, talking about worship. The word worship appears seven times just in these verses alone. And today I'm going to be using the word treasure and worship interchangeably. But who was this woman? Who was this woman? Even, you know, even she wondered herself why it was that he was talking to her. He's like, she said, essentially, this doesn't make sense. You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You're a man, I'm a woman. Like this really 
doesn't make sense that we're having this level of engagement. And even the disciples, when, when you know, they saw this engagement, didn't understand it either. This woman was given this extraordinary privilege and she was let in, in a sense, on the plan of God uh, that seems to even be more comprehensive and personal than anything that Jesus said to his disciples. I think that this woman, she really does represent the church. She represents the people that God calls. She's unexpected, right? I mean, I'm sure there are people in your life that got saved and you're like, man, I didn't expect that. And let me tell you something, there's a whole bunch of people in your life that didn't expect you to get saved. You know, they're, they're just as surprised at you getting saved. So she was, she was unexpected. She was not a religious, self-righteous snob. Because God doesn't call religious, self-righteous snobs, right? I mean, this woman was, she was unexpected. She was marginalized. She was disregarded. She had baggage. She had lots of baggage. Do you have baggage today? Well, you qualify to come to Jesus Christ if you do. She was exploited. She had all this failure. She was living in present failure, right? I mean, he gives this disclosure not after she gets her life together, but while she's in the middle of sinning. Hey, you can come to Christ in your present sin and look to him for mercy and grace, and that is precisely what he will supply to you. It's, it's good. It is good. And in all of this, in all of this, I think what Jesus is saying, because remember, he's talking about being born again. He's talking about living water. There was nothing that she was drinking of from a worldly sense that was satisfying her need. Her well was empty. And he's like, man, if you knew who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. Your well is empty. Well, you can come to the well that's full. You can come to the well that's filled with life. You can be born again. And this is what happens when you are born again by the Spirit of God, Jesus transforms you into a worshiper. And this is what the Father is looking for. The Father is not looking for people to get churched. The Father is looking for people to get saved. And there is a big difference between those two things. Right, people coming. Yeah, that's true. I'll pause. I'll pause. Sorry. I'll pause and breathe. Like people coming to a place in their life where, where they say, I am done with this. I am done with the world, I'm done with myself, I'm done with my failures, I'm done with my own efforts and the inability of my willpower, and, and I'm done with all of that, I want God. I want God. You did not come here to get church, you came here to get God. And God is the only one, God is the only one who is worthy of your worship. You know, we, we defined church, and like I said to you uh, when I, Gave you that definition the first time. Tony shared it again last week. Um, but of course, there are many different definitions for the church. I think that this is, um, it's good for us. But I want to share with you like the first part of that definition. The church is a community of Christ's people which he calls into being in and around himself. Which he calls into being in, this is so critical, in and around himself. We as the people of God are centered around Christ. In, in other words, listen, he is the one that is treasured. Here as we've gathered in this place, you guys might be sitting kind of in, a, in a, you know, an arc, in a semicircle, and there's a stage, and there's a center here, but the center of our focus is not a pastor. 
The center of our focus is not a worship leader or a worship team. The center of our focus is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, I get concerned. I get concerned because I feel like the language of the church collectively today can kind of be all about the church, right? This is the way people talk. My church this and my church that. And we start hyping our church. We start hyping our church almost in a way where it's, where it's like our message is the church. If we could just get people here, if we could just help them to follow the way that we follow, you know, and, and sometimes what happens is our message stops with the church, but our message should not stop with the church. It should stop with Jesus. God may use his people. God may use gifts that are present within the body of Christ, but fundamentally and ultimately, all of that is pointing to the person of Christ. And so if anyone gets the hype here, it should be Jesus, right? Can you guys agree to that? So, so listen, Jesus meant for his church to treasure God. You, you might be thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I do that practically? I want to give you a couple things today, okay? We treasure God by the way we live. We, can you agree with that today? We treasure God by the way we live. We show God, we display that God is the center, that God is preeminent, that God is our focus, that God is the one that we are worshiping. We do that first and foremost by the way we live our lives. There's been transformation in our lives. There's been a change that has happened. And I want to illustrate that this morning by uh, the story of Cortez. You remember when he came to the new land, uh, his, his soldiers landed, and he was thinking, how am I going to incentivize the boys to be all in here? How am I going to keep them from a place that when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, they're not going to want to turn back. They're not going to want to run home. They're not going to look back. And so he devised this idea. The best way for me to do this is to burn the ships. You guys know this story? And so, so he did. He burned the ships. And, and, and so they went into the new land and they did a whole bunch of stuff that they shouldn't have done, by the way. I'm not like, I am not, you know, I am not celebrating that today. Um, but I think it was brilliant because his soldiers, it was either be all in or die. All in or die. There was no turning back. When things got hard, they couldn't just get back on the ship and, and head home. And I think that that's what it means to be a born-again believer. We've come to a place where we've burned the ships. There's no turning back. You know, I have decided, we used to sing this a long time ago. Tony may bless us with this song at the end of the service. You oldies here know, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, right? I mean, there's a decision. There's a decision that's been made. And this is what we do with the way that we live our lives. We live in holiness. We emulate the life of Christ. You say, I don't know what holiness looks like, pastor. I say, well, start reading the gospel accounts. Look at the life of Jesus. He laid down an example for you and for me to follow to the extent that we say that old life, that old sin, that self-centeredness, the way that I used to live, I have cut those cords. I've cut those chains. I've stepped out of that prison. I'm not going back. I'm not turning back. And this is a good moment for us to evaluate our lives. Is there anything that we're allowing in our lives to tie us to that past life? One, maybe it's not a big ship. Maybe it's just a little boat. I've just got this little thing, right? This thing that I'm holding on to, this thing that I'm clinging to. 
And God today is saying to you, burn that thing. You need to burn that thing. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking about the Acts 19 bonfire, you know, where those believers in Ephesus so radically transformed uh, what they did is they brought all of their, all of their drug paraphernalia, they tr- brought all of their uh, books on sorcery, and they had a massive bonfire, and they burned it, and they never looked back. And I've wanted to do that here, like, for the last eight years, but, uh, the, but, but it's illegal. The fire department won't allow us to do it, and so, so just to let you know. Romans 12, 1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You say, well, why? He says, which is your spiritual worship? It's your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so Paul says, listen, if you're really a born-again believer, I'm, I'm appealing to you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you by God's mercies. Let me give you a reason because God's been so merciful. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Lay on the altar and dedicate your whole self to God in a way that's pleasing to him. And that is your spiritual worship or the the New King James Version says that is your acceptable worship. This is how you demonstrate to God that you treasure him by living Jesus' way. This is what we do collectively together. Collectively together, we are following our master. And you know what? Sometimes we do it well and sometimes we struggle. And it's in this place that we should be able to encourage each other. It's in this place that when someone is down, someone, someone has failed, someone has faltered, that we come alongside and we lift them up compassionately. Unfortunately, sometimes the, the opposite happens. Someone fails among us and you know what we do? We, we get critical, we get judgmental, um, we, we shoot our wounded. Christians are like known for shooting their wounded. We say stupid stuff like, well, I would never do that. I would, by the way, don't ever say I would never do that because you are setting yourself up to do the very thing that you think you will never do. We're, we're journeying together, all right, and we should be a support to each other. The second thing that I think is a way that we can express that we treasure God is by fully investing in the eternal, okay? This is not a comprehensive list, but I think another way that we show God practically that he is our center and he's the one that we treasure is we invest in those things that last forever. Like I said to you, our lives have moved from me to him, right? That's where we were living. It's kind of like the Copernicus revolution, if you guys have heard of that. You know, there was a point in time Uh, where everyone thought that the solar system really revolved around the earth. And so the sun wasn't at the center, the earth was at the center. Um, Copernicus came along, there were others who went before him, and he mathematically proved that the earth wasn't at the center, but that the, the sun was at the center. And so there was a revolution in the way that people were thinking. And you know, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's unnatural for people to have thought, hey, well, it's the earth. Because this is the way that we are. We're born thinking that everything revolves around us. And you know, if, if you don't believe that, wait till you have a kid, right? Wait till you have a beautiful little angel baby, little sweet little, oh, you know? And you know, that, that sweet little thing is also at the same time the most demanding, selfish little creature on the face of the earth. Like, Like he or she doesn't care that you've gotten no sleep. That doesn't matter. 
that is totally irrelevant. I mean, they're going to they're gonna scream their guts out until you get up and you feed and you rock and you console and you sing. And you know in three hours you'll be doing the same thing all over again. Like this is the way we're born. We're just born thinking that everything revolves around us until we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And then we discover that really everything doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around the Son, right? The Son of God. Everything should be oriented around Him. Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up, this is like basketball terms, hopefully the Celtics win today. <clears throat> I, ha I just had to drop that. Simple, right? Do the layup. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Check this principle out. For where your treasure is, you know this. For, say it with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. There your heart will also be. So as believers in Christ, we treasure God by not being stingy, by not living our lives where it's me first, by not thinking that having the things of the world will somehow bring us happiness because you know what? The truth is they won't. They will never satisfy you. God has been so generous to us. Has he not been generous to you? For God so loved the world that he gave. This, this whole picture of generosity is found in God himself. Jesus said it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The heart of generosity that we have springs from a life that has been transformed and revolutionized. Because now it's not about ourselves anymore, what we can accumulate how we can look a certain way because we have all of these things, but now our lives are about him. And whether we have it or whether we don't have it doesn't matter because we have what really matters and that's Jesus Christ in our hearts. So we live generously to God because we treasure him and we also treasure what will last for eternity. The third and final thing today is this, treasuring God in heaven teaches us to treasure God on earth. Treasuring God in heaven teaches us to treasure God on earth. Would you turn to Revelation chapter 5 today? And uh, I want to read starting in verse 8. Please make sure you're turned there with me. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8. I know it's a lot of work on your part to turn in your Bibles, but I, I, I believe in you. The Bible says in verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang. Will there be singing in heaven? Answer me. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Only Saved people can sing this song. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, by the way, thank God for the ethnic diversity in our church. It's one of the things that I think is such a beautiful thing about Awaken Las Vegas. And have made us kings and priests who are God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands as a lot, saying with a loud voice, oh, that, that is not a loud voice. That is, that's like, 
That's like a murmur or, you know, I was like, that was pathetic. Okay. You guys want another chance? Okay. All right. Verse, verse 12. And, you know, it's, it, the, the argument back is, well, you never told us to read it back, Pastor. Okay. Verse 12. We'll just do this together. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Good. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and, as, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Now listen, these are sayings in heaven, but they're also songs. We will be declaring these things in song. All right, so let me just reread what we will be singing. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. We will sing worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We will sing blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Hey, listen, I know this might feel redundant, but I want to just do this together. Can we do it together? Can we say the three of these things together this morning? All right, say it like, you know, you will in heaven. One, two, three. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open his seals, for you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and amen. That is good. That is good. For this, for this teaching, this was a section of scripture that was really on my mind. And so I want to say what I said before again. If the church is going to treasure God in heaven, then the church should treasure God on earth. If we know, if we know, listen, what, what, what we read today is your future. You don't, need, you don't need someone to read tea leaves for you. You don't need to get your palm read. You don't need tarot cards. You don't need ast astrology. You don't have to go to a psychic to know what your future is. It's just been laid out in the word of God. We read it today. This is, this is not a suggestion. This is not one of many paths that might happen if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. This is the future of worship for you. This is what is going to happen. Like it has been declared by God. It is your destiny. It is settled because you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. That is good. That is good. Listen, the exercise today is this. If I'm going to be doing that then, I need to be doing it now, right? What, what that shows us, what that gives us is a way to calibrate our present lives. I'm going to give you a definition today. You're going to hate me for it, but I'm going to do it anyway on calibration, all right? Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines calibrate like this, to standardize something such as a measuring instrument by determining the, the deviation from a standard so as to ascertain the proper 
correction factors. And I know that blessed your life. I know that's going to transform you and change you, right? But, but the point of calibration is this. I think back on my chemistry classes. Um, when we were weighing something, we had to take the scale that was being used a lot and had the tendency of getting off just a little bit. We had to reset it. We had to calibrate it. We had to zero it out. So that when we were measuring something, you know, to the thousandth of a gram, we, some of you drug people just got triggered. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Apologize. But we had to... I love you guys. Do you accept me for who I am? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Thanks. But you had to reset it, right? I mean, whatever lab you were working in, you had, to, you had to reset it. You had to reset it so that you knew what you were measuring was accurate. You had to calibrate it, and you had to calibrate it all the time. Because if it got off just a little, and it would get off, because of consistent use, doing it over and over and over again. If, if it got off just a little, your measurement would be wrong. I think that, that this picture in heaven does that for us. Heaven is not just a destination. It's for our calibration. Because God, through it, gives us a revelation. I can look at heaven's picture and say, God, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. But God, is that happening now in my life? Am I deviating from that that is going to happen then? Am I deviating even just a degree? God, am I way off in some area? Is there some part of my heart that's not been dedicated to you that is leading me to a place where I'm not truly valuing the right thing? Where you are not set at the center of my life? Where you are not being treasured? Hey, how many of you are going to heaven today? I'm curious. You know what heaven's about, right? You know what heaven's about. Heaven is not about streets paved with gold. Heaven is not about a gate that's made of a single pearl. Heaven is not about this new Jerusalem that's gonna come down out of the heavens. Heaven is not about just being free from this old nature. Heaven is not about a new body that has a full head of hair on it, right? God bless you bald people out there. God made some perfect heads. And on others, he put hair. I think somebody said to me after the service. <laughs> it's not about that. It's not about any of that. It's not about any of that. Heaven is about treasuring God. When we get to heaven, we will not be talking about our stuff. We'll not be talking about our programs, our buildings, our reputation. We'll not be talking about religious institutions or power structures. We'll not be reflecting on our music or our Yelp rating. We're not going to be bragging about how many people came to our church compared to other churches. We're not going to care about the celebrities, the religious celebrities that we had in our church. We're not going to care about agendas and issues because we're going to be focused on God. And if we're going to be focused on God like that, then we better had be focused on God like that now. Amen? And so this is what we do. This is what we do. We gather together and we seek God. We open his book to discover his truth. We're not interested in someone's opinions or ideas. We're not interested in, in a man's agenda. We want to hear from God. You did not come today to be churched. You came to be touched by the Holy Spirit. You didn't come today to learn about 
what some pastor thinks about some particular issue. You came because you knew the book would be opened and that God would speak as the scripture was read. We gather together as the people of God to invest in what matters. We know that the only thing that we can take with us to heaven are the souls that we bring with us. And so what do we do collectively together as a church? I just want to say to you, this is the way giving works in this church. There are not a couple of huge givers in this church that subsidize everything. The things that happen in this church, because people like you are willing to invest in eternal things and to make a sacrifice and your peace plus someone else's peace plus someone else's peace plus someone else's peace collectively coming together enables, to, enables us to do things like a crusade in Tijuana that's gonna reach 30,000 people. How does that happen? How does that happen? It happens because we collectively have said, you know, the things of this world are never going to satisfy us. We're not going to lay up for ourselves treasures on this earth where rust and moth destroy. We're going to invest in what lasts forever. And then as the people of God, what we do is we gather together and we sing to God. We sing to God. Christianity is a singing faith. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, it's unique. It is unique. Our, the Judeo-Christian tradition of singing is unlike any other religious system. We sing to God in worship because we worship him. We treasure him. I'm going to have the worship team come up right now. And I just want to share a couple of uh, further points with you. I know you know this is true. But worship is an attitude of the heart. And it's a lifestyle we live before it's a song that we sing. Can you agree with that today? Yeah. Worship is an attitude. Worship is an attitude of the heart and a lifestyle we live before it's a song that we sing. But thank God that we can sing to him. You know, because I get to a place, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. You know, you get to a place in your worship of God, you've got a devotional moment. It's just you and God and it's so overwhelming. His presence is so palpable and you're praying and you're praising and it's like you get to the end of your words and it's like, God, I wish I had more. God, I wish, you, I, wish I had more. I wish there was more that I could say to express how grateful I am and how thankful I am. And we get to the end of our words, but listen, this is, this is where singing to God comes in. We take our words plus music with the heart that treasures to God, with our heart that treasures God, and our songs rise to heaven and please the Father. We're able to take our words and put them to music. We're able to have a heart that treasures God, and as we sing, the heart of the Father is pleased. And not only is the heart of the Father pleased, but when God's people are collectively treasuring him, this is what God does. God invades the space. God is present among us. He fills this place with his presence. Don't you feel that? Aren't there times where you can physically feel the presence of God when, when we are singing praises to him, when we are treasuring him, right? There is a moment where heaven touches earth and something happens here. And even the unbelieving person, the person that hasn't put their faith in Christ steps into this room and they say, you know what? There is something happening here that I haven't seen anywhere else. I haven't seen anywhere else. And that presence of God begins to soften that heart. And there is a realization, there is a, an awakening that happens as the Spirit of God is tugging on that heart to put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. 
When you and I are treasuring God together, his presence fills the place. And that's what makes the church attractive. That's what makes the church attractive. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done in this church, in your people, right? Because when, when God fills us and when God fills this place, that's what draws, that's what draws people. It's not, the, it's not the buildings, it's not the property, it's not how advanced we are in our technology or our production. It is the presence of God that makes us different. Today we wanna close by having a, a moment uh, where we can treasure God together just as we've considered these various things this morning. Maybe the reality is you're right, right where you need to be. And, and yet, I would say even if you're in that spot, uh, it is good to ask the Spirit of God to search your heart. You know, to be able to honestly and sincerely say in a transparent way before God, are you really at the center? God, do you have every part, every part of my being? Do you have every affection? Do you have every desire? Are there, are there any strings that are still connecting me to this world or to worldliness? Are there any chains that need to be broken in my life? Listen, if you don't think that you're in a place to pray that today, I would say to you, you have a problem. You already have a problem because all of us need to be praying that. All of us need to be asking God to evaluate our hearts in a fresh and a new way so that he can calibrate us and correct us the deviation that might be within us so that we are pointed 100% to him. That we're in a place where we know that there's no one else that we are treasuring. Uh, today, maybe there are some things that you're gonna need to lay down. Today, we're praying that there would just be a reset to heaven, that God would give us a divine disruption God, if we have just become so accustomed to this deviation, disrupt us. Wake us up. Show us. It may sting. But God, we know that the one who cuts is also the one that heals. And so today, I'm going to invite you to stand. Pastor Tony's, you can stand right now. Pastor Tony's going to lead us uh, in a moment of treasuring God. And, you know, in this time... Just uh, want to encourage you to come with an open heart and come with open hands. Today, maybe you need to kneel. Today, maybe you need to sing out loud with, with your whole heart everything that you've got. Maybe today, there just needs to be a private moment between you and God. Maybe you need to come forward to the front today and, and lay something down. Maybe today, you need to pray with a friend that's next to you or, or pray with your husband or, or your wife or your kids. Um, but today... Let's ask God to shake this place and to shake our hearts and to demonstrate his presence among us in such a way that when we leave through those doors, we will leave different people. Can we do that today?